Hey guys, welcome to the Sports Cult. As me and Anirudh will discuss another uh, good round of podcast where we try to get in all the recent match fixtures which happened and put our views and thoughts over it. And I hope you enjoy this uh, our second episode as well. So this uh, this episode we are going to discuss a uh, lot of Premier League which took place in the last two weeks. A uh, few of you uh, Champions League matches and also the recent takeover of Newcastle will be a major point of discussion today. So we will be starting off with uh, my favorite team, which is Manchester United's uh, mediocre performances. So Anirudh, any opening thoughts you would like to ask, start off with? Yeah, hi Sahil. So I think uh, you know about the United match. Yeah, I think it was a close you know call for United yet again. Um, uh, you know, I think in the in the past for the past two weeks, I think they they played United, they played Villa, Everton, and uh, you know they had the UCL fixture against Villarreal. All three of them were pretty close, uh, you know, matches which could have gone either way. Like they could have lost the Villarreal match, or you know, uh, they did not take the chances against Villa, and Villa were yeah. they came up, they came with a plan, they came with a structure. Same with Everton. They had a plan. Uh, Everton mainly, you know, they would have come for a draw, but you know that could have well, very well, turned out to be a defeat against, uh, you know, against Everton. But uh, but you know, Everton did not, uh, you know, maybe uh, kind of uh, take their chances, and uh, so you know it was a really close call. Um, you know, the season is really really important for Oli and kind of make transitions in the attacks and you know. Create more chances, and they're lucky enough that you know Everton did not convert their chances, or you know it could have well been a defeat for United as well. So you know it was, it's it's slightly kind of uh, worrying, uh, you know, for Oli, I believe, and uh, you know it's 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 kind of difficult to see United as uh, title contenders at the moment, but yeah. uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see if he switches up the the way United play, or if they continue this way. I, I I feel you know there might be a lot of close matches where you know they win by a margin or uh, or you know they lose. Right, right. So obviously um, the first game which happened over the week was the EFL game, and uh, we played against West Ham, uh, which was a very mediocre performance to be really honest. And I don't know who to blame here because the players were the players who were not in that first first team at all. They were put in right to play a game. Fine, but the point I'm trying to put here is that we were playing West Ham and not, you know, a team we are hearing for the first time. So I would have expected a few uh, senior players in the squad, but uh, there were no Bruno or no Popo or no Ronaldo anywhere close to this team. And anyways, the point I'm trying to make here is that there was only one guy who played really well that game, and it was uh, Tony Van Der Beek. Uh, he was the guy who was trying to dictate the tempo, put in those passes, make play happens, and uh, I was really impressed by his performance in that particular game, and I was actually expecting expecting that since he has put in such a good performance, he would be starting the next couple of games. But uh, I'm not really surprised now because Ole just doesn't pick him in the trust in the starting eleven, which is really mind-boggling to me. It doesn't. I don't really understand what is he trying to do with uh, Tony, so to say. Uh, he because I don't know what has he done that he is not getting the first team. Uh, he's not getting. He's not starting as of yet. So that is Good. really concerning because uh, he is a top-class player. We can already see that he has that quality which which can make a difference if he's, you know, if he's made a 
regular, he is going to make a, a lot of difference over players like Jesse Lingard. And right now, even in the way Marshall has been in the last couple of games, I think Tony Van Der Beek has to start over such guys. Obviously, Marshall has a different position, so to say. But if players like him can be given chances, then why can't Tony get that starting eleven? That is the first concern now uh, during the game. Like the matches that I have seen, uh, you know, of United, uh, like I think, I think you know, the concern like might be that you know, Donny is is a more attack attacking minded midfielder, whereas you know, United already have that in Pogba and Bruno, so yeah, they so right. I believe so I believe what Oli is going for is that you know he wants forward with the the front three. You know they need some some at least one person or two person to kind of you know just just have that that midfield line covered and yeah. to not have a lot of uh, counter attacks from teams. I'm not yeah I'm not I've not seen Donny's defensive uh, you know how good he is defensively. So I think that I think that's where I believe Oli is going towards. You know like he wants uh, Fred and McTominay have at least that kind of uh, physicality that stop counter-attacks or they could uh, tactically kind of stop the other team's play. But Donny, I think, being an attacking-minded midfielder, I think maybe that's the reason he yeah. given a chance in the team. No, because uh, no, you have a very good point. Because even I feel that Donny is a number 8 first and he is and he can also play 10. But uh, gradually, I think he is a number 8. What I feel here is that he was brought in as a replacement for Pogba. Because when he was brought in, there were a lot of talks of Pogba was not signing a contract or they were having rifts between him and the manager. And there was a high possibility that he could leave that summer. But he, but Pogba has stayed and uh, he's been playing regularly in the squad. And hence, Donny has been no, has not been picked over Pogba. So, and obviously, it's a very tough call to make there. But uh, in the initial matches where Pogba was playing uh, on the left, left-hand left side as a left winger, the midfield was completely destroyed because we had McTominay uh, and Fred in the midfield and they provide nothing, to be really honest. They don't have that sort of uh, prime midfielder quality in them. They are uh, definitely not, especially uh, Fred, so to say, uh, and talking about physicality, as you said, uh, the last game versus Everton, he was pushed by this player called Demar Gray. He was literally uh, bullied by Demar Gray, and Demar Gray is a kid, so to say, right? He's not. He's very. Uh, he's been in the Premier League very recently, and he's been bullied by such guys. And Fred has so much of experience, and yet it, count, it counted for nothing. And that is what led to the goal which Everton scored, which was which was Fred uh, could not hold the ball, gave it away to uh, Demar Gray, and then he passed the ball for the goal. So clearly the fault is with Fred, and there is some uh, tactical issues as well. It's not always the player's fault. I mean, if we as fans can see a player is not up to his full potential, I don't know why still we picked over players like Tony Van Der Beek again and again and over and over again the same. Situation every time, whenever the match fixture, the team fixtures, team list is out, all the United fans want to see what is the midfield, and it's always uh, either uh, McTominay or either Fred who is there at the number six sort of a position. Uh, but I get it that 
it would be really hard for Tony to play in that role. But uh, again, as I said, he was not picked when even Pogba was on the left hand side. Uh, he was playing as a left winger. So there is some issue. There is something I, I'm not really sure, but he's been not picked, and that's not a good sign for him and also for the club because we are not doing any good either ways. And obviously, Oli is uh, Oli is supposed to be bl- blamed here because if you see our recent um, uh, matches and the results which which churned out, we lost. 1-0 to West Ham. We again lost 1-0 to Aston Villa. And these are our home games. Right? And we are supposed to win home games. That is what every team does. It's, it's without a doubt uh, that you have to win home games. And we drew against Everton again one all. I mean, this is not really ex- acceptable if we are going to, you know, try to challenge, even challenge for the, for the title. This is not a performance any team would put out to be really honest and even the game which we won against Villarreal it was 2-1 where this last goal this, our second goal which uh, Ronaldo scored was a 95th minute goal and it was not anything which was you know like it was a very I would say a fluke sort of a goal because it's not like the entire team got into it and you know played some excruciating passes which led to a goal and uh, obviously, there is some sort of an uh, issue with the team. The flow is not there and the fluidity is absolutely missing, I would say. And it has to be figured out. It definitely has to be figured out. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, currently, really, I'm really, I'm really upset with the team. And let's see how they perform in the upcoming matches. Yeah, I think it is that kind of element of trust for Oli with Fred and McTominay, right? I think, uh, like... They are like at times they have performed well for him under him, and so it's that like he's he's try, he kind of trusts those players, you know. Okay, you know, let's you know, let's put him in the team. I, you know, I I trust that you know he will do well, and then you know, I think again and again, Fred and McTominay make the same mistakes. So, you know, when so maybe the question for Ollie is like, okay, like. When do you think you know we can kind of at least take some risk and make those changes? You know? Yeah, absolutely right. And it's it's not like uh, so. I've seen a recent interview of Donny with uh, Rio Ferdinand, and he, Rio Ferdinand asked him point blank, or point blank, like, "What is your position? Where, like, do you know good positions you play, and what is your ideal position?" So to which Donny replied, "He can play as a ten, play as an eight, and he can also play as a six. And if your current number six is no good, I think there is no harm in try, trying Tony as a six as well. And when we break on the attack, since uh, his passing ability is so good, he can also come into play in that phase of the game as well. So I don't know why uh, he's not been tried yet in that position, but I think it's high time because whoever we are playing is not just up to the mark. And uh, uh, even... Uh, uh, the recent matches where we won or we played well. So even in the recent matches uh, where we played well, Matic was playing the number six, and we all know that he's he's you know out of gas pretty soon. As he's not up to the mark, and we would actually need a proper player to you know who can play week in and week out. And uh, till, till till the time we don't buy someone, and if we try Donny out in that position, if he actually turns out to play really well. Your problem is solved without spending an extra penny. The point is trying him out in that position, and that 
is that I think risk Oli is not just trying to take at all. He's trying to play safe, safe. He's trying to put McFred, but it's clearly, you know, it's not working. It's not going to work as far as I see it. Makes sense. Yeah. So speaking of like like speaking of the one of the opponents that United faced, you know, Aston Villa. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I think you know we were discussing this, you know, offline and 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 basically they they had a really good last season, uh, you know, they and did, but yeah. you know. They they lost Jack Grealish uh, this season and rightly so you know he wanted to play for a Champions League team and so you know he moved to City but you know they made they've made some really good transfer decisions they've brought in Leon Bailey from uh, Bayer Leverkusen they got in Danny Ings and uh, those are some really kind of smart transfers you know for Aston Villa what are your thoughts has Aston Villa impressed you so far and you know what do you think about Kind of their their uh, yeah. strategy as well as uh, direction from their uh, management. Yeah, obviously uh, Aston Villa have come a long way uh, because uh, I remember uh, the first season when they were promoted, uh, and that season they were fighting to just stay alive in the Premier League, and they did in the last game day where they secured the 17th position. And after that, it's been a very uh, well planned turnaround for them because. Uh, a lot of so, things have changed after that because uh, obviously uh, there are a lot of guys uh, in Aston Villa's management uh, system who are actually pushing forward, who are trying to get in good players and who are trying to change the system around at Aston Villa. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm actually a huge fan of this guy. His name is Christian Kuslov and he's been in charge with a lot of uh, things happening in and around Aston Villa. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but he was also hired by Liverpool a few years ago where he he, he worked for Liverpool and he was involved with a lot of changes which happened during during the time of Roy, Roy Hodgson. I'm not sure if you are aware of this. Yeah, I think uh, like like I think he was he was there at the time when uh, you know the Fenway Sports Group were yeah. taking over uh, right. or were buying Liverpool. So I think he was kind of involved in kind of having that transition from the previous owners to the current owners. So and and you know post that I think you know he moved uh, kind of on from Liverpool into some yeah. other uh, yeah, so you know, he, positions. He he did uh, work for Chelsea as well, and he was involved actually with a lot of sponsorship deals for Chelsea. Uh, I think he was there for two two years at the club, and he, he was involved for signing you know renewal deals with brands like I think Nike and Yokohama and a lot of other other brands. And I think uh, all these experience which is which he has had, and obviously uh, the caliber he has he has really shaped up Aston Villa's management system. Uh, they have they have a plan now. They are. Obviously, we can see by the performances and by the signings which they have made, they are trying to push for uh, the Europa League, so to say. They're trying to just not trying to stay alive, but they are trying to do better and better and better, which is obviously exciting to watch because you want such teams to come up the ranks. And Villa being such a legendary club back in the day, it's good to see them back and you know fighting for fighting in each and every match with a clear cut action plan and a solid management to back them. It's really amazing to watch something like this where everything comes into you know uh, it comes into play i mean the the owners the management the, the staff everybody wants it's, it's like a proper amalgamation of everything which is pushing the team forward 
so really excited to see how they play and how the new new signings are turning up so yeah definitely excited for aston villa yeah i think i think you made a really good point there you know about uh, kind of you know everything coming into you know together for the club you know because uh, i think you know what he he kind of posted a video explaining jack greelish's transfer and i haven't seen many clubs that show that kind of transparency where uh, where where the person at the top of the club is speaking directly to uh, the entire audience you know and uh, i felt that that level of transparency that you know he was giving to the aston villa fans because jack greelish was kind of really important you know to the to the young fans of aston villa and you know a lot yeah. of the young fans were looking up to jack greelish and so the way he handled that transfer uh I, I i thought that was that was really really good absolutely yeah that's right and obviously we should definitely mention dean smith as well because he has really got this spot ticking and uh, obviously when you have such good management and you have such good ambition you obviously need a guy to execute on the pitch and dean smith has definitely uh, you know played that part really well where he has uh, got that guy a spot to play a exciting brand of football Uh, and obviously churn out results on the positive side of things which is obviously helping them gain a lot of points in the recent uh, matches and they have obviously kept 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 the team moving forward in the table yeah and then i think you know speaking of you know another kind of team that have just come up from the champ the championship that is brentford yeah and well, i mean what what a season i think i think, I think what a, what a start to the season i think you know after 74 years of absence in the mm-hmm. premier league absolutely an exciting moment for their fans for the entire club for the community as a whole you know to be kind of playing in the in the premier league and you know i think they've got a really good start to the season you know playing against arsenal and getting that win in the first day of the season and then they played wolves away and got a yeah. really good win there as well and then you know they played liverpool which uh, you know i felt was a really brave performance from brentford because you know everyone would have been kind of waiting for that moment where they play a top team in the premier league side and and and, and i think the only speech that was needed in that match for the players for brentford players was that you know this is an opportunity for you to kind of show everyone you know who you are and can just just be brave go out and just be brave I think from a from a Liverpool standpoint you know I was slightly disappointed that you know we couldn't seal the game and and we let them keep on putting pressure on us so it it was a it was definitely a, a kind of dropped points for from a Liverpool perspective but but from from a Brentford perspective yeah I think you know they never gave up they kept on attacking the right hand side to be honest in these like 3 years I think, yeah, you know, they, uh, they they used trends real ability i think they 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 are sure that trent is not someone who is that good in the air and i think the crosses they were putting in at his side were obviously uh, you know just proving the fact that they could get that goal as soon as possible exactly exactly and like i've, I've seen uh, you know top strikers play against van dijk for 3 years but i've never yeah. seen you know a striker like or a pair of strikers pushing van dijk to the kind of to the limit like like i think i think uh, uh tony as well as mbuembo you know i think they were really a threat to our center backs i haven't seen uh you know the the, the center backs of liverpool being tested you know this this season mm-hmm. so far 
and that was a real test for the for the center back yeah yeah obviously it was such an exciting game to watch as well because uh, uh, obviously a lot of people would have turned off their tv just looking at the fixture but um, i mean it was a cracker of a game and it really showed that you know this is this is the beauty of premier league i would say because uh, most of the times you know that the bigger teams are going to win but in premier league everything is so unpredictable that even the team which has just got promoted uh, can beat a team like liverpool and it's, it was just wonderful to watch them go about their business exactly next match that they had against west ham i mean that was also a, a really well played out match you know i think uh, they got that last minute winner against west ham and going away to west ham is you know is is not easy and the way they kind of the way they kind of kind of manage that tempo of the game it was really really good you know i was just reading about about brentford and and basically i was just kind of reading about them and in championship you know they were the team that that kind of had the most possession based football and they played a lot of possession based football but in premier league i think they are the they're third from the bottom you know in terms of possession but uh, tactically the way they are approaching the games to get the points you know i think that's that's been that's been really good i think they have that element of uh, element of i would say not surprise but uh, but like that you know whenever a new team comes up that none of the top teams or premier league has faced before you know they the new team always has that kind of edge that you know okay the other team does not know about us a lot but uh, so you know we can still you know kind of show a little bit of courage and kind of go entirely at them because i saw it last season with leeds where uh, you know leeds had a really good first season but this season it's it's kind of uh, just i think they've not been able to kind of keep that winning momentum going on so for brentford you know it's a really amazing first season but it'll be good to see if they can kind of maintain that same uh, style of play next season as well because i was i am uh, as far as i recollect when sheffield was promoted they had an amazing first season i think they they were eighth or ninth in the table or something like that and uh, their last season they just went completely down well they i think relegated as well so obviously we would like to see brentford more more often in the premier league and play such an exciting brand of football yeah exactly and i think credit to the owners as well uh, yeah. because uh, so they so one of the things is kind of looking at is they moved away from uh, having an academy i think they are the they are the they are the club in england that don't as such have an academy but what they do is they have a b team that is brentford b team Yeah. and uh, what they do is basically they kind of select you know analytically and, and through statistical data they kind of select players between maybe 17 to 20 years of age ah, so so they basically you know uh, they kind of look for uh, you know players from 17 to 20 years of age you know who were released or or basically they they, they may not have a future in other clubs other big clubs and they basically you know just groom those players and then you know they sell the players for profit you know i was just reading yeah. that you know uh, ollie watkins of aston villa then you have james starkowski uh, who plays for burnley and you know those are some of the players from brentford uh, you know who have come through the ranks uh, you know for you know through all these years 
and uh, yeah and and you know one more player that you know kind of comes to my mind is you know a former liverpool player sergi canos who was let go uh, from liverpool and uh, you know it shows the model of brentford you know they now he plays for brentford he plays for the first team of brentford and he's rather performing really well so the model you know the brentford has you know i think it's 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 really really good and in the owners have kind of invested in the stadium uh, you know having more fans into the stadium making the yeah. stadium a bit more louder for uh, for the team to play in so Certainly overall showed against liverpool <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah it's talking talking about uh, other, another fixture which was uh, liverpool versus city uh, i'm sure your your eyes would be glued at the screen what were your takeaways oh what a match what a match i think uh, so like like you know i think earlier that you mentioned you know this is what you know premier league is about you know it gives a really uh, like you don't know what to expect right yeah. and with liverpool city it's i think with liverpool city it's it, you can certainly expect goals in every match that they play yeah, in because because both the managers you know want to play their styles of football which kind of makes the match more entertaining because none of them are compromising in terms of you know getting a draw or you know through playing a different style but both of them want to play attacking minded football and hence you know you, we get to see such amazing matches mm-hmm. and uh, yeah i think even in this case i'm i'm slightly uh, uh, you know disappointed that we couldn't get the win uh, you know uh, keeping in mind the the goal from mohammed salah which deserved to be the winner of the it game was an, yeah such a beautiful goal such an amazing such an amazing yeah. goal exactly but i think from a city point of view i think it was a good draw for i think it was a good point for them you know them playing chelsea away then they played psg away and then they played liverpool away so i think getting a point for them was really good they would also maybe be be disappointed that you know they couldn't capitalize in the first half that would have changed the game yeah but uh, but yeah i think such an amazing 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 goal i think mohammed salah deserves i think just give him what he wants and keep him at liverpool because <laughs> i feel his form is just going to increase so his his physicality and and the way he kind of maintains his his athleticism is is really good to see and i feel you know he still has a good four years under him you know at the highest level yeah, so he definitely deserves a huge contract you know whatever he's asking he definitely we definitely should give him that and yeah i think i think it was uh, i think overall when i when i look at the match i think it was a good shared points between both the teams milner could have been sent off i think i think it was i i felt it was a second yellow as well for milner yeah. but uh, but overall a really electric match between two of two of the great sides yeah, yeah, yeah we should definitely talk about that block by hernandez which block was it I think this happened at the very uh, end of the game, where uh, Fabinho was going to take the shot at the goal, and I think it was Hernandez, yeah. if I'm not wrong, who put in the very crucial block. Rodri, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think yeah. it was crucial. Exactly, that's a really crucial block. I I definitely agree because I think you know the match was was played with such a high intensity. I felt. Fabinho and the midfield Henderson Fabinho were almost tired at the end of the game 
and they were just barely keeping up with i think all of the players were barely keeping up with the pace of the game because of the intensity with which they were kind yeah. of you know playing that match so yes, yeah that's right yeah so again a great game like amazing fixture between the two teams and it's always a cracker to watch liverpool and city play each other because they have been at each other's neck for the longest time and now obviously uh, teams like chelsea and somewhat united also now challenging for the trophy it would be really amazing to see who can clinch the title or you know who would actually be a, a actual a very good challenger for the for the win as well so yeah great game and moving on to the next uh, fixture which is the upset of the season so far and which was real madrid versus sheriff fc did you see the game i saw the goals i think uh, i think yeah i think it's <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing to see, you know, Madrid kind of. Uh, I think no one expected this. I had heard about Sheriff, you know, during the playoffs, and you know, they kind of, kind of moved through the group stages. But you know, I haven't been kind of reading about them, about you know, what club they are, and you know, basically what are their roots. So, uh, so you know, definitely it was a really kind of surprising result, uh, you know, uh, for for the neutrals. So I think uh, not a long ago, Florentino Perez was pushing for a Super League, and if <laughs> this is what he was pushing for, and if this is what he is actually trying to run away from, then I should credit him for starting a Super League. Because if Madrid is getting beaten up by Sheriff, then there is obviously a lot of building, uh, rebuilding, so to say, for Real Madrid to do. Because uh, it's a fun fact that Sheriff actually was actually the club. Started in 1996, which is exactly the year after we were born, and it that young the club is. We are older than people than Sheriff FC. That just boggles my mind that such a young club with so much of ambition could finally take the top guys down. And it was obviously a good thing to watch because uh, upsets like these is what you, makes UCL much more, you know, competitive. And you know that that. That is why we need such teams as well to be part of this year, and not something like a super league would, would, you know, overshadow it or something like that. So yeah, I think it was a great game, and uh, just just a few facts that uh, about Sheriff FC is that they actually belong from. So the some of the you know shocking facts about this uh, club is that uh, it it is a city of only some one lakh. People, so to say, and uh, sheriff's logo is everywhere. Say supermarkets, gas stations, or even a casino. And one of its founders, I think his name is Victor Gushan, is Sheriff FC's president. So, so to say, he has built a sprawling complex, which is a thirteen thousand seat stadium. And uh, here is the fun part, which is uh, they are rumored that the club serves. As a money laundering operation for the directors, so you never know that if this is run by some sort of a mafia group or something like that, but whatever, so to say, this club did beat Real Madrid, and that is going to go down in history for the rest of their lives. So yeah, great game, good to watch, and hoping more such upsets would come across in the upcoming UCL fixtures. And now moving on from one of Spain's debacle to the other debacle, which is none other, none other, other than FC Barcelona. What, what is your thoughts on it? 
Yeah, I think they are in a mess, right? Because uh, I think really poor management decisions in the past, kind of uh, just uh, piling up. The thing of them just falling all together with you know, with Messi leaving the club. I think yeah, I think I think like this is a, this is a very good example of poor decisions from management kind of impacts the the club as a whole uh, because. Uh, you know they were they were in a really good position you know with neymar leaving you know they had a really good amount of money to spend wisely rebuild the team again that they want but really poor decisions in terms of paying a huge amount of fee to players uh, not not keeping in line with the market rates for the players and uh, and just not kind of players were worth i think i think you know some of the players had that potential at the time like uh, Osmani Dembele he was a really good talent but just a lot very injury prone and not not that uh, frequently playing for them so maybe that was a deal which you know they would have said okay you know this is a good talent and we play we, we paid for the talent and it just did not work out but other deals like Griezmann I think a, a lot a, such a high wage they're paying yeah. for him then there's Coutinho who simply did not work out and uh, you know like consistently poor decisions and uh, and then ultimately leading to the to to the to the you know the entire kind of club crumbling is is, is kind of, i think Lionel Messi i think yeah. you know, kind of has a huge hole in that uh, in that Barcelona uh, club but uh, you know like if I look at on the bright side, they have some really good talent from their academy. I I still feel Ronald Koeman is not the right person to lead the club, at least at a time where they're rebuilding. The kind of manager would have been Klopp or Pochettino. I think they would have been a better candidate for Koeman, but uh, but I think that is what they end up with because you know Klopp and Pochettino would not have gone to Barcelona in in such a in such a scenario. Mm-hmm. So, like in a way, I think I, I still feel you know they they might they might sell some of their young talent uh, to kind of make up space and kind of recover those losses that they have incurred through poor decisions over the time. Yeah, right, right. So as you rightly said that you know they did not use the money wisely, and somehow I feel that Barcelona actually lost its identity, which was to build superstars rather than buying superstars. And when they started paying such huge ton of money for players like Coutinho and uh, Griezmann and all these players, it just didn't. It just did not play. It just did not seem like Barcelona to me because this is something Madrid does, and that is their action plan. But for Barcelona, it's always been to you know build superstars and you know get them through the first team. Uh, sorry, the youth teams and then to the first team as they have always seen through the past. But uh, it, this guy, Bartomeu, actually looks to me like he's been a undercover agent who was sent by Florentino mm-hmm. Perez to Barcelona to destroy the club from you know top to bottom. And yeah, because uh, I w- I'm really shocked to know when I get to read the articles, you know, the current article which I have read is, is uh, that Barcelona's total debt is now somewhere around 1.35 billion. Yeah, I mean, it's just mind-boggling. Are you serious? 1.35 billion? How can this happen to a club like Barcelona? Especially the stature of the club, the reputation and everything is such at 
everything is such a high stakes and such a big gamble has led to such a historic downfall of this club that not really sure when the club would you know recover from this and start rebuilding and as you rightly said Pumen does not seem the right man but i what i feel is that not even barcelona's best friend manager is going to step in to manage barcelona right now i mean even if pep guardiola was doing nothing he would still decline barcelona because the situation barcelona is in, is in right now nobody wants to get their hands dirty uh, not even Xavi, not even uh, Guardiola, as I said, nobody will be a part of Barcelona right now. And so I feel Pumen is is more of a band-aid to the, to, the, to the system. He will be there for a couple of years till the board fixes everything and at least gets, gets the, gets the sh- uh, ship sailing again. And once that happens, I'm pretty sure bigger names of management would like to step into Barcelona and, you know, lead the club. But for now, they are as part as uh, the current president, uh, John Laporta, he said a statement where he said that uh, they are actually going to continue with Kuman because that just seems right as of now. Because even they know that some that nobody would like to come in and manage Barcelona with all all that is happening around the club, right? So, yeah, as of now. What I feel is that they should act, they should try to build a good brand of uh, a good brand of football, you know. And if we look at the players, they actually have some couple of good young players. Uh, this there's this guy who recently made his debut for Spain. I saw the game. I think his name is uh, Gabby, uh, and they are actually now going to give him a long term contract after that game, which he, which, is, which was his debut game with, uh, for Spain. Uh, and, he, and he's just 17 years old, and I watched him play. He's very, he was very good. Yeah. So you, you have such young players. Obviously, there is Ansu Fati as well in there, and but I'm very, I'm pretty sure there must be a few hidden gems in the La Masia setup as well. So if they can get all these uh, uh, things together, get these guys together, and you know, start building something from now on, for sure, in the next couple of years, they would be at a better position and. With a better manager. Yeah, I think that's a good, you know, that's a good point. You know, with the with the talent that they have, you know, I think Barcelona, you know, I think they might be thinking right now is that you know is Komen the right person to kind of uh, guide these uh, these players because I think at the moment what they what they need is, uh, is 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 more of a coach, you know, someone who can kind of train players who are not performing. You know, they can increase the level of performance of the existing players so that they kind of keep the momentum of wins but uh, and not a manager you know who is uh, who's who's just coming in to kind of uh, kind of lead a group of players because you know the play, i think at the moment the players are still very young very inexperienced in barcelona and and you know again poor i mean what were they thinking signing luke de jong i mean why why did they sign luke de jong it, it still does not make sense yeah. to me I mean, yeah. he he played he played I think you know around about ten to twelve games for Newcastle and he did not even perform there, and and, and he is now playing for Barcelona and uh, and the same goes for kind of Komen. I mean he did not do well at Everton. I think he got the Barcelona job because you know he, he he was as a player he was a really great player at Barcelona and you know they thought you know he might be the correct step forward, 
but uh, but yeah i think the see, seeing the recent results you know it still looks very uh, bleak for the club yeah makes makes complete sense so yeah this would be a good watch but uh, yeah one more thing i would like to add here is that i would actually like to see you know uh, players like zavi or you know even if iniesta i'm not really sure if he's still playing and if he's not or if he's or if, even in the near future i would like to see these guys into more coaching roles so to say because they have a huge amount of experience they are the top guys they have been there done that they have won it everything which is there in the you know in the world of football and i would like to see these guys step up you know and take positions as coaches and you know help to train the younger squad or the mayor first team as well that would actually be like you know uh, bringing back the old flavor back to barcelona and it would actually like to see them take as well i don't think we raise a good point in about zavi uh, i think even earlier that you, you were mentioning about the identity of the club right so i feel like if you see some examples of clubs that are run through ideology you know they they have successes uh, you know frequently like like peps when 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 city play with peps ideology you know they've they've been so successful liverpool with klopp and mourinho uh, and chelsea with his ideology and you know that got success i i feel you know with zavi when he kind of comes to barcelona he's you know he might bring back that barcelona ideology of playing and which might kind of improve a certain things because you know then people will know okay what to expect from from the team from the club you know how what kind of players they would sign that would fit into that ideology so i feel you know like you mentioned you know the barcelona does not have that identity ideology of playing at the moment due to which they are making a lot of wrong decisions with buying players it makes sense completely makes sense now, now let's move on to the big news of the week which has set the football world into you know frenzy frenzy which is obviously the takeover of newcastle united uh yeah anirudh what was your first reactions when you heard this news uh yeah i think uh, i think you know money coming in to the premier league <laughs> uh maybe they should they should rename the premier league to to i don't know middle east league or something like that i don't know <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. i mean what can i say you know I, th- i think you know the premier league i think last year they were blocking this a particular sovereign fund to kind of own a club in england but i think those disputes you know have been settled down and uh, i think 430 billion i think looking at their wealth yeah. it's just a huge amount of i mean it's just going to destroy i mean we might not see the impact uh in the short term but it might just destroy the competition of the league i mean the competition of league is already kind of uh you know at the top with the with the you know highest earning clubs at the top 6 but you know this is just going to be, uh, i think in 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 couple of years newcastle might easily break into the top 6 top top 4 you know with the amount of money they have you know the, the freedom of investments i mean they don't need to take a loan to kind of even invest into the club they just have the money that they can just directly invest into the club you know so it it may be you know, it will be good to see what the owners uh, uh you know strategy is do they want to grow the club organically through uh, like like how liverpool is run or or are they going to be following the footsteps of manchester city and uh, yeah. just just pumping in just pumping in money into the club so it'll be it'll, it'll be interesting to see 
what approach these owners would take i mean looking at past experiences with psg and ct i am expecting a lot of uh pumping of cash into the club as investment but yeah i think it will be interesting to see how they mm. how they approach newcastle's turn around yeah very well said and obviously uh, with new owners comes a lot of money and uh, <clears throat> they have a sort of a blueprint right in front of them which happened with city and we all know in the next in like 10 years time 10 12 years time city has gone on to win the premier league and uh, multiple other trophies as well so they have a blueprint right in front of them and obviously it's not like in the next one year they'll get all the major signings and something like that but obviously we can definitely see newcastle now being uh european challengers at least for the europa league or the 5th 6th 7th and the premier league spots in the next season or so and the best part would be the transfer window because it would be so much so much of excitement so much of excitement for uh, all the fans across the world to see what happens who goes in who goes out who are the players who are going to get you know picked up and to see the squad shape up it would be a good good sort of a revival to see it happening right in front of our eyes and hoping to see a lot of uh, forgotten players back so i think as we were discussing this offline as well i think a lot of the uh, lot of squad two players uh will be given a chance here i would say like we discussed anthony marshall is a possibility philippe coutinho is a possibility yeah so these players even kelo ravas's name has been up in the uh, in the news that he might that they 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 do need a strong goalkeeper and ravas is in their list already so yeah these sort of a players who have been great who have been doing great they still have some potential left in them they might be brought and you know asked uh, of them to play well and you know make some changes but the major question here is that who will be the man in charge who will be the manager who is the guy who is going to be put at the seat to manage such a huge chunk of money and investment and make sure that he has to get it right obviously there's just one name which is coming into my mind what is your your take on this and yeah i think it's de- definitely not steel bruce uh so i think this they might stick with steve bruce this season yeah, yeah this season for and, sure yeah but uh like i feel i think the next step if you ask me i think a, a really well fitted team for newcastle could be in my mind roberto mancini i feel he might get he as he has already kind of managed a lot of big clubs you yeah. know he understand he understands what is needed to kind of uh get the club going in the right direction and uh and basically uh, and i see roberto mancini as the as the perfect fit for this role but you know he, whether he takes it or not that depends on how you know italy is doing and you know with the recent success with italy you know he might a till the world cup and you know and then make a decision if he wants to move uh, move move yeah. you know change roles so uh but yeah i think i mean in my mind i see the next step someone like roberto mancini i think there were talks about steven gerard as well i don't i mean i've seen him with rangers amazing i think they 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 played some good football but uh but is he the man to take them into the into that direction you know i think it's i think i'm not entirely sure about that because uh i think at least for the current set of players steven gerard might also be a good fit but you know once the once the club starts growing you know they'll they'll obviously want to change the manager as well 
and uh, yeah. and so yeah so i think for now they might go with someone who can just get them uh some really good seasons let's say one or two seasons really good one or two seasons and they know in in that time they will kind of keep investing the money on players and the ground as well as the facilities and basically then kind of building that trust on the project and then you know then we might see some good players coming into the into the club so even like someone like brendan rogers may also be a good fit for newcastle mm-hmm. yeah that that's a good point you made anirudh and i think we just have to now wait and watch how this turns up how the story goes about and it would be really exciting to see what happens with newcastle in the coming year or so so yeah any closing th- thoughts for this uh, this week's episode no i think uh, you know it has been silent two weeks we'll be kind of keeping kind of tabs on on the international fixtures i think we have the uefa nations league uh, yeah, final between final. spain and france so yeah. that is something to look forward to and yeah i think tomorrow is the turkish gp if i'm not wrong for f1 it is it is it is it is yeah so that would be a good watch as well because there's just two points separating the Uh, first and the second uh, driver, which is obviously Lewis and Max. So this this F1 season is turning out to be as nail biting as it can be because, as we all know, the past couple of season it was almost a, a one person's season so far. But this season is going to be really exciting, and I think it is going to go down to the last race of the season. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think uh, F1 is always kind of interesting. You know. <laughs> i think we discuss it every we discuss after every race and before every race you know what we are expecting and it always kind of surprises us you know in some of the races and uh, so yeah we expect you know tomorrow's race to be really really exciting for sure guys yeah yeah so definitely and uh, everyone who has listened to us so far you know let's just to say thank you obviously and do keep liking sharing with your friends Uh, if you if you if you if you do like what we talk about do leave a, do leave a comment below and uh, we will see you in the next week for sure so keep tuning in guys see you soon have a great weekend